This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and I'm joined here today by Cameron Brandt, EPFR's Director of Research. We'll walk you through what our teams were tracking in the last week, and as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming weeks. Cam, um, lots of market noise, as per usual in the recent weeks. Um, how are things going? <laughs> well, um, the, the answer is uh, get back to me early next year. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and by that, I mean that um, there have been, you know, obviously a couple of significant um, uh, moments in the, in the past 10 days, uh, the U.S. midterm elections and the latest U.S. inflation reading uh, probably top the list. Uh, and ha- as has been the case for for certainly much of the uh, past three quarters, um, <laughs> you can read the data as good or bad. Um, the uh, we're still waiting to see how what the final count is for the U.S. midterms. Um, it does look as if the Republicans will be in a position to block. Um, some of the Biden agenda, uh, and if they block uh, sort of the fiscal <laughs> largesse, uh, we'll be in a position where fiscal poli- U.S. fiscal policy isn't as at odds with U.S. monetary policy as I think it has been for a while. Um, but we're not going to know for certain, possibly until Georgia holds its runoff elections in three and a half weeks. Um, uh, the inflation reading, again, sort of the same. Uh, 7.7% is better than people were expecting, but 7.7% is not good. Um, so so the Fed, the Fed it hasn't gotten a clear green light to start moderating uh the pace of its rate hikes it now it may it may feel that you know other indications that the economy is slowing uh including sort of rise <coughs> rising jobless claims um and some pretty soft kind of leading indicators allow them to do that. But, um, you know, <laughs> it's up in the air and the fund flows somewhat reflected that again. So going into November, um, investors anticipated that U.S. midterm elections would lean in a certain way. Um, and many are kind of describing it as a relief of returning to normalcy, um, but the Republican red wave didn't have much of an impact, as much of an impact as you kind of mentioned. How are you expecting investors to take their next move in terms of fund flows? It's a little hard to say. Um, some things I do expect. Uh, I expect actually to see um, fairly solid flows into uh, sovereign bond funds, both here, both the ones dedicated to the U.S. and Europe, uh, as people try to capture sort of the positive yield uh, on offer 
um, before we do see a, a pivot by the Fed and the ECB. And, you know, I, I see continuing interest in any asset class that looks like it's going to produce income, uh, you know, after a very brief hiatus, flows to dividend equity funds uh, picked right back up. Um the in the emerging market space, even though we saw um, China equity funds post outflows for the first time in ten weeks, um, uh, I expect that fund group to continue to uh, attract fresh money. It has strong domestic support from uh, investors who are limited by capital controls uh, in terms of where they put their money and who face a not particularly appealing smorgasbord of domestic asset classes. Um, and, uh, you know, foreign investors, uh, you know, are still positioning themselves for uh, the rebound they expect when and if China starts to moderate its uh, campaign against COVID-19. So also in the U.S., um, as you already explained, we had a cooler than expected inflation reading. Um, some believe this is hinting at the Fed slowing down the pace of monetary tightening, but maybe not just yet. Um some of our more inflation-tied asset groups like bond funds, inflation-protected bond funds, gold, real estate, showed mixed interpretations on the subject. Have you been honing into anything specific that guides the sentiment story? Well, I, you know, I obviously keep an eye on gold funds, which uh, should become more attractive when the Fed does pivot. Uh, and we certainly didn't see any reduction in redemptions from them uh, during the latest week. Uh, you know, on the other hand, uh, inflation-protected bond funds had their um, smallest outflow since their current redemption run uh, began. In the sector fund universe, the two of the more interest rate sensitive groups had pretty big outflows this past week. Um, however, global emerging markets funds, which tend to be sort of the canary in the coal mine for when investors are, are, are girding themselves to move back into that general asset class, have now um, seen inflows for, for uh, three straight weeks, I think it is. Um, so, you know, a lot of mixed signals, which uh, is very consistent with the fact that there have been very few data points in recent months that you could reliably hang your hat on. Right. So elsewhere, uh, hitting the headlines this week was the fallout of Binance acquiring FTX. Um, do you expect cryptocurrency funds to take a knock after this? news um I, I think i think the knock's been and gone um you know w w flows in and out of them have generally been at a very low level i think i think the 
uh, the people who uh, didn't have the stomach for a highly volatile asset class uh, headed out of there um, when the Bitcoin crashed earlier this year. So we actually saw a very modest inflow this week, and, and you know that's actually been the pattern uh, recently. Um, you know, a mixture of um, you know very small inflows and outflows biased towards inflows. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, China has also kind of remained the star of the show for emerging markets, specifically among the Asian markets um, in recent weeks. But we have seen a slight shift in investor appetite this week. Um, Global emerging markets, Taiwan and India saw more interest. Outside of that, frontier markets benefited this week and Turkey stood out among the EMEA country fund groups. Um, What's your overall sense of emerging markets? <laughs> I mean, my sense, as I said, is that uh, China funds will continue to be seen as kind of the, the way to go, certainly in terms of country exposure within the EM universe. But uh, I think it's likely that the flows will moderate a bit. A lot of people have built up quite a bit of exposure through those vehicles. And um you know, to sort of realize the use case they hope for, we, you know, we have to see some movement on the COVID restrictions. So um, there's certainly plenty of value within emerging markets. And, you know, we, we have seen, um, you know, fund groups dedicated to smaller markets uh, start to, you know, have some good weeks. It's not particularly consistent, um, but you know, Indonesia equity funds uh, had their biggest inflow in seven weeks. Uh, you know, Taiwan uh, funds continue to take in fresh money despite uh, the shadow of, of China's claim that they're uh, a province of the mainland, um, and. Uh, you know, in the Latin America universe, uh, you, Brazil funds <laughs> eked out some inflows. So uh, even though they weren't at the heady levels we've seen in, in previous weeks. Um, so here, there is an overarching debate on whether <clears throat> whether the um, that whole universe should be reorganized into China and emerging markets X China. Um, but, you know, until that's settled, um, you know, I think we'll see a, a thaw based on, on, on valuations. Um, you know, if you think things are going to improve, now's a good time to use the strength of your developed markets currency to sort of snap up a stake in a, a company with prospects. And, and where that has been really written large is Turkey, where despite uh, you know a macroeconomic story that you might think would send every investor you know heading for the hills, uh, the Turkish stock market, uh, the main index is up something like 200% year to date. Uh, you know, and this is, uh, you know, Again, there's a, a domestic support element. Uh, you know, if you're trying to preserve your capital from inflation, you don't want to uh, an inflation at over eighty percent. You don't want to stick it in bonds. Um, but uh, you know, foreign investors are also joining the party um, simply because a lot of a lot of Turkish firms, especially in the construction and defense spaces, have pretty sort of. 
um, hefty overseas sales. They're not, you know, solely tied to Turkey's domestic economy. So, you know, they offer uh, a diversified revenue stream uh, that you can buy in very cheap lira at the moment. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, I guess with our data, we could create a little EMX China <laughs> grouping <laughs> <Yes>. and <laughs> compare it. <laughs> Certainly. Well, there was plenty of uh, activity again in the area that you uh, sort of uh, take, keep primary watch over. Uh, that would be the sector fund groups. Um, you know, it did seem like. Uh, real estate uh, sector funds, which have been very resilient for the most part in the face of this rising interest rate environment, um, finally buckled a bit. Yeah, um, real estate sector funds did take a bit of a hit this week. Um, They saw their heaviest redemption in over six months. Um, Part of that was contributed by the U.S. and global um, country fund groups seeing outflows. But Japan real estate took in in money this week was which was interesting and has for for quite some time um technology also also went negative into negative territory um but uh energy and healthcare were kind of the the top earners this week in terms of fund flows um and energy, I, I believe most of the uh, top funds were oil-related. I don't believe the top, top fund was oil-related, but there were four or five that were um, oil. Um, utilities snapped a big inflow streak, and and kind of diving down deeper, we did see water funds posting their first inflow in seven weeks. So, um an interesting story, I guess. Yeah. And and it looked like infrastructure uh, was sort of getting its uh, getting back to its mid-season form. I think uh, well over two hundred million flowed into them. Um, yeah, that was a big eight-week high inflow for them. Yeah, right. So lots of movement, um, but interested to see how the tech sector will kind of play out in the next few weeks as well. All right. Well, thank you, Cam. Not at all. We'll uh, we'll resume our analysis next week. Definitely. And I, I guess I'll have to start asking you about ice fishing soon, maybe. <laughs> well, that's true. The global warming keeps pushing that at the start of that season further and further back. Uh, you know, we've we've had uh, several days this week with highs in the mid sixties. So. Um, any ice fishing at the moment is in my dreams (laughs) 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 not something that's actually going to happen well hopefully it becomes a reality yeah 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 exactly all right thank you cam bye bye thanks for listening to the epfr exchange podcast for more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast please visit epfr.com slash podcast 